Thank you, Nate. It's wonderful to be here this morning. Um, it's lovely to see all your faces um, and those back at home um, in Australia. Uh, wonderful to have you with us. Um, this is a continuation of the sermon series, the theme that we've got going through this term of the kingdom. And I'm going to read to you um, a passage from Matthew's gospel um, that is in in the midst of his gospel where Jesus was talking about the kingdom of heaven. So from Matthew uh, chapter 13, verses 44 to 46, Jesus says this, The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and bought that field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had, and he bought it. The kingdom of heaven. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to, um, to meet Jesus? You ever wondered what he would be talking about? If you came and gathered around him, what he would be wanting to tell you? Well, back in the Gospels, when, when Jesus was talking and walking and being with the people, he, he spoke an awful lot about the kingdom of heaven. In fact, if you look in the, in the kind of chord cordance and the kind of like the Gospels, there's a huge, huge long list of all these references to the kingdom of heaven. It's saturated within his teaching, especially in Matthew, but also in, uh, in Luke as well. He makes lots and lots of references to the kingdom of heaven. This was, this was like uh, Jesus' stock um, sermon, if you like, his message. What he loved to talk about was the kingdom of heaven. And I think for us, it's, it's quite difficult to understand what or why he was talking so much about the kingdom of heaven, what he was actually you know, trying to convey to the people around him. He was so passionate about it. This, this was his passion to talk to people about the kingdom of heaven. And what was that? I think for this morning, what I want to do is I want to go back a little bit um, and, and give a broader perspective. Um, and, and then we can start to focus on, 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 on the passage that we've read today. So the very broadest perspective is, is what is the kingdom in history and, and, and in the Old Testament especially. And um, um, if we look back in, in, in the Bible, we see what was happening in, in uh, the Garden of Eden. And God wandered around this garden. He was, he, he was like this, 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 this person that delighted in, 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 in being part of the uh, the garden and, and, and wandering through it, and he had the sovereignty over, over the garden, but he wore it very lightly. He was, he was happy to stroll around and obviously Adam and Eve meeting them with them, and, uh, and then something happened, of course. There was this fracture within the garden, the fall, which I'm not going to go into too much detail about, but it obviously distorted and broke the kingdom, and, and, and God and, and mankind kind of split off and they, 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 they had this distance, this discord between them, which we're very um, aware of. And there's another character 
um, right back in, in, in Genesis that we hear about as well, which is the devil. And um, the devil's sometimes described as the, the prince of this, this world, the prince of darkness. Um, what's interesting about the prince, I think, um, relative to a king is that um, quite often the prince will, will hold authority or, or say that they have authority on the king's kings, but they don't, they don't actually hold it. They, they have this, this situation where uh, a prince aspires and will take on, take on this role of, of, of having the authority, but actually they don't hold it. And I think that's what we're seeing um, in the world around us. The devil loves to kind of strut around and say that, look, I, I control these things, I have these situations. Um, but actually, the, the true sovereignty, the true authority is still with the king. And the challenge for us today is, is, is spotting, well, where, what are we? Are we, the, are we people of the prince of darkness? Are we the prince of this world? Or actually, do, do we do ascribe to the authority and to the kingship, the true kingship? There's a lovely, we were earlier in the chancel, and there's a beautiful um, stained glass image of Jesus sitting on the throne as king. And it makes reference to Jesus as king there as well. A little bit later down in the Bible, we start to hear about um, how, how God is establishing through, through the Israelites a, um, a new priestly kingdom. In Exodus chapter 19, he says this, he says, um, it says this, it says, um, now if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all nations you will be treasured, my treasured possession. Again, this image of treasury. Although the whole earth is mine, he has authority over the whole earth, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That was his task to the Jewish nation. He said that he wanted to set up a priestly kingdom. And they would be set aside and they would actually kind of have this role on earth to be priests, to establish this, this offshoot of the kingdom here and reestablish that. And of course, they were partly successful and there were was, there was some great things that were happening in, in, in the Old Testament and how they, uh, uh, how they acted. And of course, there were other times when they didn't actually uh, succeed uh, to, to, to keep that covenant and, 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 and to fulfill that role. And what they did was, rather than rely upon God as their king, um, that they, they came to a point where they wanted to actually have an earthly king instead. And so in 1 Samuel it says this, it says, So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel and Ramah. And they said to him, You are old. Your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead, to lead us, such as all the other nations have. They, they were jealous. Can you believe that? They had all this, all this from God, and yet they were jealous of, of, of other kingdoms. They saw all these earthly kingdoms with kings that would go around and kind of um, take charge and be leaders, and they were, let's have a king just like they have. What's, what's different about us? Why can't we have kings? And I think we look at that in, in the world around us as well. We seek kings, don't we? We seek earthly kings. We seek people in leadership can lead us. We're just like the Israelites did. And our model for, for, for the queen here in this country is that she is under authority of God. That's, that's the kingly model, or the, sorry, the Christian model of kingship, is actually God is still king, but he appoints and he anoints our queen to stand in that position, just as David and Solomon and the other, other kings in the Bible were, were positioned. But ultimately, he holds, he is the king of kings, he holds the power. 
And when Jesus was preaching, he, was, he had this in the backdrop, in the minds of all the people that were there. He had this, 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 this kingship that had gone and been successful, but then also had its failure as well. And as he spoke to them in Palestine at that time, they were under occupation. They had a, a corrupt puppet king, Herod, and they were under occupation by a foreign force. It was a tinderbox of all this stuff going on, and suddenly he started talking about the kingship. Incendiary kind of language. Talking about an authority that was not a Roman authority. Very problematic. I think even today we have problem with talking about kingship. We talk about like authority, and we talk about our, our Christian and how we believe that God is, God, is, God is all the things that we know God to be. All the things that we want to share with people. We, we do have opposition to that, even now. In Matthew uh, chapter 3, John the Baptist talks about the kingdom as well. He talks about this. He says, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This was his message when he was baptizing. And then a little bit further on, both Jesus started to take up exactly the same words. He said this in Matthew chapter 4. He said, from that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven has come near. kingdom of heaven is near. This revolutionary language was a direct affront, a direct challenge to, G, to, to, to Rome, of course. And when Pilate confronts Jesus when he comes to him, um, just, 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 just before the crucifixion, Pilate's one, one question, really, for Jesus is, are you the king? The reason he was asking that was because he was appointed, he was under authority himself to keep the peace. And if there was a king, like anywhere else in the Roman Empire, if there was a king, they needed to be under the authority of, of Rome. There was no, you couldn't have kings kind of charging around expecting everybody to follow them because, no, Rome was the seat of authority. So he asked Jesus, are you the king? Are you the king of the Jews? In John chapter 18, Jesus replies with this. He says, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. But now my kingdom is from another place. He holds back. He talks about the kingdom as being of another place. Heavenly kingdom. And I think that's the challenge for us now, isn't it? Because we want to be part of the kingdom. We want to have Jesus, an authority over and, and, and sovereign over everything in our lives. And we've, we've called to that. But we look around us. And it doesn't take far for us to look, does it? I mean, look at, look at, look at the mess, mess that's happening out in Eastern Europe now. We want Jesus to be king. We know Jesus is king. We want him to take up his throne, like, like on that image in the stained glass window. We want him to sit on that throne and dispense justice and bring all people to him under his authority. But unfortunately, we have this, this rogue prince who is marauding around, pretending that he holds the authority. And how do we contest with that? How do we, how do we judge when, when it's the prince or the king? It's very difficult. And of course, we have this dual citizenship as well, because when we're talking about the kingdom, we're talking about citizenship of the kingdom. And we have both the citizen of he heaven, which has been bought through Jesus' blood, 
But we're also in this world. We're citizens of the world, and we're not in the world, but not of the world. It's all very, very difficult. Paul talks about um, us being ambassadors as well. In his letters, he talks about how we're ambassadors of the um, heavenly kingdom. And recently, uh, it's been a hard time to be an ambassador, especially if you're a Russian ambassador, I would imagine. You know, all those lies, the foreign minister going out and saying, yeah, we're not going to do this, yeah. And, and I'm not saying we need to be wholly sympathetic to it, but, you know, he's under orders to say certain things, to spread certain untruths. Let's be honest. And we're called to be ambassadors as well, but we've got to be ambassadors of truth and life. We're not called to sell so, so, so uh, dis, dis, you know, untruths and discontent. But we need to speak boldly as ambassadors. And that's a real challenge, I think, for us today. So, what about our kingdom perspective? Jumping back to where we are in the, in the chapter of uh, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 13, he actually gives five different analogies. We've got two of them this morning. He gives five in total. The first, uh, the first two that he gives actually is from a broad perspective of the kingdom. It's looking down at the kingdom from, from afar and finding out what, what, what's going on, what, what's, what's, you know, what's, what's happening, what is this kingdom like? The two, the two that we're going to look at in, in some detail are actually from a very personal perspective. It's for us personally here today. And then the fifth analogy is actually a little bit more from God's perspective. So I'm going to unpack those a little. So, so the first two analogies that he used earlier in chapter 13, he talks about the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed which is planted and creates this huge tree. And the second analogy in a very similar vein is about a yeast which spreads throughout the whole flower. So a little bit of that yeast, a bit of the kingdom is spreading. And um, it's true. Both of those analogies have come true. And uh, I was looking online to find out a little bit more about uh, how many Christians there are in the world and what, what, what our kind of uh, position is on that. Now, I'm sure the numbers aren't, aren't, aren't ac- or are perfect, but um, according to the statistics in the world, uh, there are 2.4 billion Christians. That's 31% of the entire world's population who would say that they are Christian. Now, I'm not sure uh, all of them would be, you know, how those statistics would play out and, and, and uh, you know, what level of uh, uh, kind of um, uh, authority they hold to Jesus and to God and everything else, but that's a huge number. And if you look at that, in the world perspective, from coming from uh, that small group of disciples in first, first, first century kind of Palestine, growing out, Jesus' analogy of that massive tree is correct, of the way that the yeast has spread throughout the whole world. It's correct. Now, God's perspective on this um, comes a little bit later in chapter 13, and there's an analogy about a net and the fisherman going and catching all of these fish in his net. And then it gets sorted out. And the good fish are kept, and the bad fish are thrown away. And um, I suppose that's a little bit harder for us. I mean, that, that, is that what's happening with, 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 with the kingdom that we're going to be sorted? Of course, we all want to be the good fish. We all want to be kept and retained. But there's, 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 there's an edge to that. that. Some people who are caught in the net are not going to be. It's like the sower as well, which is another analogy which is uh, 
is given in Matthew chapter 13, of the seeds landing on the good soil and on the bad soil, irrespective. And some of them grow and some of them don't. Well, the two analogies that we've got this morning are to do with a very personal experience of two people. One of them is in a field. He's out there digging. So he's doing manual labor. He's digging in the ground, and suddenly he finds what he's been looking for. He's seeking it, but he finds the treasure. Maybe somebody told him there was something in that field. We don't know. But anyway, he finds this treasure, a treasure that's going to change the whole of his life. And when he finds that treasure, he goes back, he sells everything he has to try and buy that field. And then the second analogy is of a merchant who's in the marketplace searching for a pearl. And he finds this pearl, it's perfect. It's unlike anything he's ever seen before, but he knows that it's worth, is priceless. And so he sells everything to get that pearl. Now, have you ever strived for something? Have you had an ambition which has been all-consuming, something that's pushed you to the very limit? I'm sure we've all had ambitions like that at times. Maybe we've still got massive ambitions here on Earth. Now, Tishy and I, we, um, last year, we had um, uh, a hugely ambitious project to, uh, to extend our house, and we built out... Um, over the course of six months, we built out the back, the side, the up, the top, and um, it was a big undertaking. It uh, really was probably more than we could chew, biting, biting off more than we could chew. And some, some ambitions are wholesome, and I'm not saying it wasn't a wholesome ambition to kind of have, you know, have our house extended. We've got three children. It was good to have each of them with a bedroom, all of that. And we all hold to these ambitions, but... Um, Jesus said this, in Matthew chapter 6, he said this. He said, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given unto you as well. Seek first, just as the guy did in the field and just as the merchant did in the market. Seek first the kingdom, and all the rest will come. It tempers our own ambitions. And of course... They needed to sacrifice everything. We talk, they talked about how they sold everything in order to get those, the kingdoms. The problem is, of course, is that, that actually when we sell everything, depending on what we have, we may not actually have enough. And it doesn't talk about this in the passage, but I, I've got a feeling that actually maybe that person in the field didn't have enough to buy the field, or that merchant maybe didn't have enough money to buy the pearl. When we got to the end of our build, <laughs> um, we found that we did actually uh, run out of money. And um, it is quite a humbling experience for anybody who's undertaken a project and found themselves close to achieving it, but not, not quite close enough. And um, we had to um, ask our families to help. And it's, um, it's a humbling experience to do that, but it's actually... Sometimes in our lives, we have to realize that we just don't have enough ourselves. And we need to call on others. And I've got a feeling that these characters, and certainly us in the kingdom of God, are in exactly the same situation. We don't have the means ourselves to buy the field, to gain the pearl. We don't have enough 
to gain our righteousness, our access to the kingdom of God. It was Jesus that did that for us. And in the same way, we need to draw upon his bank, his means of capital to purchase that, because he's purchased it for us on our behalf. Now, we're lucky that we might be able to uh, repay the, the, the debt that we're, we're, we're owing people. But the reality on our lives and in our position in the kingdom is that we will never have enough. We'll never have enough to repay Jesus for what he's done. Our credit, which we've drawn from the bank of Jesus Christ, is beyond our means to, to pay back. Now, here today, I think we've got several kind of challenges for us. And I'm going to put people in, or you, you may feel in any of these different categories in terms of the story today. Maybe you're in the first category. Maybe you are seeking. And that could be because you've seen something in other people's lives that you think, actually, that's what I need. That's what I want. You're a seeker. And that's good. Jesus was talking about seeking first the kingdom of God. He says we should be seeking. We should be dissatisfied. We should be willing ourselves to take hold of the kingdom. And we see people around us and we see actually, you know, they have got something special. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a kingdom. It's God's peace. And the good news for us um, here today is actually this is the field where the treasure is buried. This is the market where the pearl can be found. You're in the right place. Digging here, coming to church, worshiping, praying. This is where we can find the kingdom. When Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God is near, he was talking about the fact that he was here on earth, his spirit was there, and it was close. So yes, coming here is, is a fantastic place to start and seek, seek the kingdom of God. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. That's what Jesus was saying and what John was saying. Perhaps you're in the second category here this morning. Maybe it's actually that you found the treasure. You felt that. You've known that Jesus is here. You've actually had that. I think, you know, when, when, the, when we're talking about focus, I love the descriptions that each of them have of focus and what it's done. Because actually, you know, that's been my experience as well. And I'm sure some of you have been to focus or, or something like that have experienced that. Actually, we've seen glimpses of God's kingdom. That's what it's about. That's what it can do. That's that, 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 that outpouring and that kind of like experience of God's kingdom. When you found it, it's the same with Alpha. I know many of you have done Alpha. I've done Alpha lots of times. I love it because actually you can see and witness not yourself, just yourself, which you can, but you can also see it in other people when they found the kingdom. Wow, they found the treasure. They found the pearl. It's special. It's really special. The joy of people finding people that have actually unearthed that. It's, it's incredible, isn't it, John? It is. Um, so maybe you're in that position where you've actually found the treasure, but you don't know what to do. You're unsure what to do with, 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 with this. And, uh, of course, the, the two people in the char characters in the, in the passage here, they sold everything. But maybe that's, that's a tough thing to do. 
Maybe there's lots of ambitions in your life right now that you think, actually, I can't give that up. Is that really what God wants me to do? He wants, he wants me to give up that ambition? Seek first the kingdom of righteousness and all the things will come to you. That's what Jesus said. Maybe you are in a th- another category, which is where you, 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 you're, you're willing to commit everything to God or to, see, to get that kingdom. But actually you're making a little bit of a mistake because you think you can do it all on your own. Some people can think, actually, you know, I'm going I'm to do this. I'm going I'm to sell everything, sell all my ambitions. I'm going I'm to pursue this, everything, and I'm going to do it. The key there is I'm going to do it, yeah? Um, it's all about, actually, I can do this. I, I can, I, I've got enough in the bank to buy the field, to buy the pearl. And the truth is we don't have that. We don't have enough credit. We don't actually have physically enough things that we could give up on our own, in our own kind of power to actually buy the pearl, to buy the treasure. We cannot get into the kingdom thinking that it's just our own means. We're going to have to draw. We're going to have to humble ourselves, just like Tishy and I did. Um, you're going to have to humble ourselves and actually draw on other people. In this case, it's Jesus. He's, he's got the bank account. He's got the limited, unlimited funds for us to go to. And maybe you're in another category, the last category, which is actually you've, you've done that. You've found it. You've drawn on the bank of Jesus Christ. You've bought access to the kingdom. And it's great. But you know, if you're in that category, which is fantastic, it's really amazing that you've, you've got that kind of kingdom in you. There's another challenge. There's a challenge of actually showing it to other people. There's an actual, a challenge of sharing it. That treasure in the field could have done incredible good amongst the community. That pearl was a beautiful thing that he could have shown everybody he came into contact with, and that's our challenge. If we've got this pearl inside us, if we've got this beautiful thing, we don't put it into a box, we show it to people, we reveal it to others, we share it. Now, the reason that Jesus was talking about the kingdom of God so much, the reason that he spent his whole ministry going everywhere, talking to the people, was because he was the king. Because he wanted to talk to people about his kingdom. Because he was excited about it. He was thrilled to have the people there in his kingdom with him. He wanted to explain to people All these analogies were to do with the fact that he wanted people to understand that his kingdom was a heavenly kingdom, but it was going to be reestablished on the earth, and he wanted the people to come into it. And we can be a part of his kingdom as ambassadors. We can be part of his kingdom here on earth. That's what we pray about it. We say, Lord, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So let's use the analogies that we've been given to, to understand what the kingdom is. And um, the first analogy with the yeast, well, the yeast it will only grow when it's warm enough to multiply. So I encourage everybody here today, because, I mean, we are a little bit cold on this side of the church. I'm aware of that. We're trying to get the, the heating sorted. That's one of my, one of my tasks. So you can berate me about that uh, after the service. But um, 
In order to grow as a yeast and spread across the whole of the uh, community, we need to be close together. We need to use our body warmth to grow. So let's stick together. Let's, let's make sure that we still meet with each other. And this, this, this analogy of the, the, the mustard seed and the growth of the tree, it's fantastic. It's lovely to see this, this growth in our community in, in the church. 2.4 billion people, it's a big tree. But we need to tend it. We need to be out there making sure that we are nurturing it, nurturing the kingdom amidst us. And the analogy about the fishermen, the analogy about going out and being fishers. He asked Peter, of course, to be a fisherman man, but he had to be bold and speak, speak boldly in order to do that. I think that's a challenge for us as well. If we want to be fishermen, if we want to make sure that the fish are good fish, we want to be one of those good fish and be not discarded, then we need to be bold. So I really encourage you um, this morning to dwell upon what it is to be citizens of the kingdom. What is it in those categories? Where do, where do you sit right now? Are you seeking? If not, why not? Have you found it? Have you found, the, found it and you're thinking, gosh, I can't give up everything? I encourage you to, to, to follow. Follow first. Seek first the kingdom. Draw upon the bank of Jesus to purchase the kingdom. And if you've got it, don't leave it hidden away. Don't leave it kind of like in a box. Try and reveal it to other people. Talk to people about it. Tell them about Alpha. Say, look, there's a field over there. It's got a treasure hidden in it. That's what Alpha's about. There's a field. You can dig and you can find it. I dug, I found it. Here it is. That's what the challenge is. I'm going to end with a prayer. Dear Lord, we all hold good ambitions and dreams for ourselves and our families. But help us to seek first the kingdom of God. Help us to give up all that we cling to and pursue the one thing of worth, citizenship of your kingdom. Help us to accept what you have paid for on our behalf to gain the citizenship through the cross. And give us opportunities to reveal the beauty and the wondrous gift that lies at the center of our lives. We look forward to your kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven and our participation within it. In the name of Jesus, our King, Amen.